0: Welcome to episode 12 of Talking About My Generation, a pop culture podcast dedicated to the children of the 80s, 90s, and even into the 21st century. If you're new to the show, welcome. On this podcast, we'll discuss movies, video games, and television shows that we grew up on. Now, this week, again, I do have my friend Eva from Connecticut. She's coming to us all the way on the other side of the continent. Uh, and we're going to be discussing the movie Sixteen Candles, which is a 1984 American coming-of-age comedy film with Molly Ringwald, Michael Shiffling, and Anthony Michael Hall. So, hello, Eva. How's it going today?
1: It's going pretty well. How about yourself? Ah, it's going. It's going. We'll see how <laughs> things go
0: progressing throughout the day here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, I, I, I do want to tell everybody that we, we had originally tried recording this yesterday, and we got about we got about twenty minutes in, the call dropped, and stupid ass me, I thought I was recording everything else after that. And for some reason my call recorder within Skype died on me. So oh. we're having to re-record the entire show all over again. <laughs> so oh. hopefully we give hopefully we give the hundred and ten percent that we did yesterday today for this. So
2: I hope so. <laughs> we'll see what
0: happens.
2: So oh. let me
0: go ahead, Eva, let me let me have you jump in because I have to say that this movie here It was an okay movie for me. It was not one of my favorites from the 80s, but I understand why everybody can see, why everybody would like this movie. So why Mm -hmm. don't you tell me a little bit about what you thought of this movie, your memories of this.
1: Okay. Well, Sixteen Candles is actually one of my favorites just because I have, I remember seeing it with my grandmother in the theater when it came out and we were about seven at the time when it came out. So going to the movies at age six, seven years old was a pretty big deal anyway. um, But, you know, it was... I still remember going to the theater and seeing it and just even though I wasn't into boys at that point, um, I really liked Molly Ringwald and I li- I was fascinated by, you know, the teenage relationships, the dynamic there. Um, and I, I just thought it was a really cute, charming story. And I was, I gravitated to the music and the sound effects and the, the plot, the storyline. Um, and yeah, I still, you know, I've probably seen it a hundred times since then, um, just over the years, and it's one of those movies to me that I can watch over and over again, and because I have a fondness for it, it it doesn't get old to me, Um, and I pick up new things, even preparing for this podcast, I picked up on things like little trivia bits that I didn't pick up on when I was a kid or when I was watching it as a teenager, so I love the movie.
0: You know, that's, that's one of those things with, with it. When you start watching these films and you watch them again for the second or third time, you yeah. start seeing all sorts of stuff. And even oh, when totally. you come back and watch it 20 years later, you start going, oh, this person was in that and this uh-huh. and that. And you start seeing the ties. And it's really kind of nice to be able to do it that. It
1: is. It is. And, yeah, looking at it from a different set of, an older set of eyes, it's just like, oh, my gosh, I totally missed that as a kid. And now I get it. You know, it's it's really neat. And that, that this is one of the movies that does that for me. I do have a fondness for it.
0: Well, I do want to talk a little bit about the cast here, since since we were talking here just a second ago about how we saw these people and recognizing them and some of the other things that they've done since then. Mm-hmm. Uh, this movie, Sixteen Candles, was kind of a breakout for a lot of people, and it was, in, in some cases, for some of these actors, it was a high point for their career. Yeah. Uh, whether by choice or by you know by them just being bad actors or something. <laughs> Uh, let's, we'll go ahead and jump in here. We'll start with the very first person here of Molly Ringwald. Uh, she played Sam Baker, uh, mm-hmm. and she's actually done quite a few other films, uh, especially John Hughes films who were kind of yeah. continuing along in this John Hughes spotlight form. Uh, she was in the breakfast club. She was in pretty in pink. Uh, she, she has done, uh, other TV shows. Uh, there was a show back in, I want to say the, the early nineties, Uh, called Townies that she was on, on ABC. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then, of course, more recently here, her most current role, uh, she's played... (laughs) uh, Well, she's played a woman who was kind of... uh, She wasn't sure of herself at first. Uh, Mm -hmm. She got married. She had some kids on the show. uh, And then she kind of discovered after after her husband left her that, hey, you know what? I'm really not interested in, in men and kind of discovered that she was excuse me, kind of discovered that she was a lesbian on uh, the show Secret Life of the American Teenager on ABC Family. So kind of one of those things, you know, my wife was watching it and I'm looking, at. she's watching it the other day and I'm going, I'm looking at the woman, I'm like, that looks really familiar. My wife goes, that's Molly Ringwald. I'm like, what?
2: That's her? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: Uh, So she's, from what I understand, you know, she was cute back in the day, but I think that she's not aging very well
0: no she she (laughs) and sarah jessica parker from about the same era they've kind of gotten into that whole horse-faced look and you know it is it's not
2: pretty oh
0: you know i I, you know and hey if there are people out there who love her her husband or whatever you love her god bless you you're you're a better man than i am (laughs) Uh, now, next one in the line here, I the, Justin Henry. Uh, he mm-hmm. played Mike Baker, which was Sam's uh, Sam's little brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kept looking at him, like, "God, this kid looks really familiar. Where mm-hmm. have I seen him before?" Well, it uh-huh. turns out that his very first movie role was—he uh, was little boy, and I forget. Please forgive me for my for my memory of uh, the name of the character in this, but mm-hmm. he played as Dustin Hoffman's son. In uh, one of AFI's top 100 movies, Kramer vs. Kramer.
1: I never saw that.
0: Yeah. Oh. Uh, he also <laughs> he also played in the very first made for TV movie that Disney Channel ever did, uh, called Tiger Town.
1: I'll be darned.
0: And it was he was playing uh, he was kind of like. He was kind of like Roy Scheider's good luck character, good luck charm in this movie. Uh, What it it was is that the Detroit Tigers, and this was back in 84 when the Detroit Tigers actually went on to go beat uh, the Padres uh, Mm -hmm. for the 1984 World Series. So Mm -hmm. kind of being because I'm from San Diego, I remember that whole thing going on with the Tigers and the Padres going to the World Series. And that was was a big thing back then. But Mm -hmm. uh, basically the whole movie was that, you know, Roy Scheider, he was an aging baseball player. He was getting ready to retire, and every time he'd come up to plate and Justin Henry's character would be there at the game, he would wish and he would believe that he'd hit a home run, and all of a sudden, boom, he'd knock it out of the park. Oh, wow. So it was this kind of whole thing that you know he believed, and then that because he was there and he was attending the games and he was believing in everything, that that was what was causing the Tigers to win. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of – that was kind of what was happening with that. But that was his role, his big roles uh, that he, he had. Uh, unfortunately, when I looked it up, he really hasn't had a whole lot else. I mean he's done some acting in later times, but nothing that – nothing big per se. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm glad that he's still working at least. You know, that's, oh, that's yeah. That's always a good thing for an actor and that he really hasn't fallen on hard times. Yeah. But it, it's not been anything like where you can go, oh, he was in Transformers or he was in – uh, you know, he was in uh, Superman or something like that. No, he, yeah. it's not big name movies or anything like that where we'd recognize him. Mm-hmm. So, um, next guy we have Michael Shiffling who played as Jake Ryan,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: you know, Jake Ryan. Well, how would you say? I mean, he was he was kind of like I don't want to say he was her boyfriend, but he was the guy that that uh, Sam Baker was lusting over. Yes. Yeah, I mean, she, she wanted him and it was kind of like, okay, you know, uh,
1: <laughs> she got him in the end, but yeah. yeah, the whole movie was just her following him around like a little puppy and just really wanting him, which was sweet.
0: Well, his, his pretty much his highlight role or highlight, yeah. uh, movie was 16 candles
1: yeah i don't know if he's done anything else honestly uh,
0: he did do a couple of things but it was kind of like oh okay i've done this and i'm over and done with it i don't yeah. want to have anything more to do uh mm-hmm. kind of just he kind of just stopped acting after that kind of really move on to one of his passions and he's been doing woodworking and carpentry yes. uh, since then you know mm-hmm. he did Trust marry him. a former model you know he ended up in a, i'm happy for him that that's what i he am too. To do, so. yeah. Uh, next character, next actor in this list of, of cast, uh, everybody should probably recognize this name. Cause he, he's basically one of the major Brat Pack characters, mm-hmm. uh, Anthony Michael Hall who yep. played, uh, he played as Ted, AKA Farmer Ted or the geek, which <laughs> I found out that the way that they listed him as this is that for the VHS version that they did. Mm -hmm. He was titled as The Geek on the VHS version.
1: Yes, he was.
0: On the TV versions and the theatrical version, he was listed as either Ted or Farmer Ted.
1: Oh, wow. So
0: it was kind of like, okay. So when I went to go watch it, uh, the version that I had, it's not the VHS copy, but it was like, I want to say it was like streamed from Netflix or something like that. I forget where exactly. But it listed it as being The Geek. So I'm like, oh, this is... Obviously, a rip off of the D- the VHS version.
1: You know, I'll have to check, but I think I have an old, I've had the DVD for years and years, probably when it first came out on DVD. And I think I think it does list him as being the geek.
0: Hmm. Well, that'll How tell funny. us where it came from.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I've I've had it for years. So yeah, that's interesting that they they. Named him different things in yeah. the
0: credits. Now, Anthony, you know Anthony has done quite a few other movies. Oh uh, yeah. You know, I mean, he, he was in Weird Science, which is another mm-hmm. John mm-hmm. Hughes film, which we'll cover later. Uh, yep. He was in The Breakfast Club, again another John Hughes film we're going to cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was he was one of my favorite actors in this. Uh, he played an excellent role in this in this film. It just it was kind of a really shining star for him. Was that he played uh, Microsoft founder Bill Gates. In the oh, made-for-TV movie *Pirates of Silicon Valley*.
1: Oh, I'd like to see that.
0: Oh, it was so good. It was they—they oh. they had him playing uh, Bill Gates, and then they had huh? Noah Wiley playing Steve Jobs.
1: Oh, I'd like to see that. Yeah. Oh, it was,
0: it was so good. It was oh. just like you kind of got chills watching him because he kind of played this goofy character, and you're just like looking yeah. at him like, "Wow, he really is a nerd for this." And Oh. He looked so much like Bill Gates it was creepy.
1: Oh my gosh, I wonder if he if he got together with Bill Gates and really kind of studied him for the role. I bet he probably did.
0: Oh, I'm sure that he did, but you know, Bill Eat. Gates you know, they were they were kind of like mm, they they weren't very happy once they saw the finished product of, of Pirates of Silicon oh. Valley. Uh, oh. because they well, because it kind of portrayed some of the dark side of uh Jobs and Bill Gates's lives. So Oh, gotcha. Um, you know, it it was it was definitely interesting though and it was, you know, it was pretty spot on from what I could tell. Wow. So, uh but he also has played in uh he was uh <laughs> the the main character in uh the TV series on USA called The Dead Zone.
1: Uh-huh. Um
0: uh, and then recently he had a I don't want to say a small part because I don't think it was a small part here for it, but uh he played as a TV reporter in the movie The Dark Knight.
1: Uh-huh. I'd say a supporting role, yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, it wasn't a huge role, but it wasn't, no. you know, it wasn't anything that you can kind of go, oh, well, he was on there on screen for, like, you know, 30 seconds type thing done.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, you cool. know, I
0: mean, I really have liked him in most of the movies that he's had. That he's. I been do,
1: in. too. I do, too. You know, yes.
0: I know that he did have a bit of a drinking problem when he was younger. Uh, huh. Going through most of these roles here towards the end, uh, when he was 15, 16, 17, actually I should say like 16, 17, uh, he kind of got involved with some alcohol and he, he said, he goes, you know, I never went to rehab for it. He goes, but I realized I had a problem.
1: Yeah. Good and, for him. You know,
0: he cleaned he himself up on his own, which is really something saying that.
1: Oh, absolutely. And he's still working. He's still relevant. So he's, he did something right. Yeah. You yeah. Know,
0: I think that because he realized that he cleaned himself up, he took steps and, that's where, why he's where he's at now. He realized that, Hey, mm-hmm. this is affecting my career. Yeah. I absolutely. Keep going, you know?
1: Yeah. Good for him.
0: You know, he's not ending up like some of the other celebrities that we're seeing lately. You know, people like Amanda Bynes or, you know, yes. For Lindsay for, Lohan. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Lindsay Lohan, mm-hmm. Miley Cyrus is starting down that road as well. Yes,
2: she is. <laughs> yep.
0: You know, yep. she's trying to be legal, but Hey, I don't care. You're still kind of <laughs> going down the wrong road.
1: Yep. Exactly.
0: Uh, Next character that we have, Getty Watanabe. Uh, yeah. He played. He played as one of both my my one of my favorite characters in this movie, and probably yours as well. Oh yeah. A uh, guy named Long Duck Dong.
1: Yep, my favorite.
0: <laughs> you know, and I I still remember what's your what's your last name? Dong. Okay.
1: <laughs> what's your first uh, name?
0: <laughs> Long. <laughs> what? Well, what, 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 what's your middle name? Duck. <laughs> Exactly.
2: Hey. Okay.
0: <laughs> and then, of course, the kid—you know—Justin Henry's sitting at the table, and they bring this name out, and he goes, "Dude, the kid's named after Ducks Wang. That's great." <laughs> hey, watch your language.
1: <laughs> oh gosh, I wonder if there was some backlash about that.
0: Oh yes, yes. Was he actually, there? Yeah. He actually took heat from a lot of the uh, from a lot of the Asian, Asian community, who said that, "Well, you know, why did?" You know why are you portraying this? And John Hughes is like, "Look, we did it. We don't mean any offense. It was just it's, for fun.
1: It, it was comedic value. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It, yeah, you that's... know, I have
0: to laugh about that name too because it really isn't Chinese. Long, no. you know, long is a Chinese part of a name, but mm-hmm. like duck and dong, I want to say that those are either Vietnamese or Korean.
1: Korean, yeah. So yeah.
0: kind of mixing that in <laughs> really kind of doesn't go. But you know it is what it is because he was supposed to be that exactly. he's supposed to be a Chinese exchange foreign exchange student. And mm-hmm.
1: well, that just tells me that it is absolutely meant for fun and for comedic oh, yeah. value. It's not. Yeah. yeah. So hilarious.
0: Uh, now what has played in other films, um, one of his most prominent roles, I should say uh, he was in the movie gung ho as uh, where he played opposite uh, Michael Keaton. And he was kind of supposed to be this like, uh, plant manager for a Japanese motor plant, or uh, like a Japanese motors plant that was coming over and building cars in the U.S.
1: I need to see that. I've never seen that. It was
0: actually pretty good. I liked it. It yeah. was one of my more favorite movies. You know, it was kind of one of these lost films that nobody seems to remember.
1: Yeah, I but, I'm, maybe I've seen parts of it, but I don't remember. Oh, and I probably would have remembered Getty Watanabe, So, yeah. yeah
0: well, I mean, he he looks absolutely nothing like he did in in uh, oh. Sixteen Candles. He, oh, okay. Because, like, in 16 Candles, you see him. He looks like he's a little filled out. Here, he looks like he's probably about 98 pounds dripping wet.
1: Oh, my gosh. Wow. You know, he,
0: he looks skinny. He, you know, he, he's wearing glasses. And you mm-hmm. just see him, and it's like, I mean, you can tell that it's him. Yeah. But it's a little bit of a stretch because you're like, holy crap. You he's know? real
1: changed. Wow. Yeah, and
0: this And that was, like, I want to say, like, two years after this.
1: Oh wow! I was gonna so, say, was it in the nineties he was in that or what? Yeah. Oh no, it was, oh, it was like mid eighties,
0: mid to late eighties.
1: Oh, they did wow. that movie. Okay.
0: Uh, next person we have Haviland Morris. Uh-huh. Uh She played as Carolyn Mulford, which mm-hmm. I gotta say. She was pretty damn hot.
1: <laughs> she was. And I don't know if I, you know, she is one of those actresses that I don't know what else she's done. I can't place her anywhere else, but you definitely remember her from that movie. Oh, yeah. Well,
0: hey, I remember her because I got to see her boobs. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> I was just going to say she's memorable because of the, you know, our introduction to her in the movie was the boobs. And of course,
0: as soon as you see it boing <laughs> boing
1: i love the sound effects in this movie
0: uh well i did do i did do a little bit of research on her last night and i did find out uh she kind of went on from 16 candles to do quite a few other things she did really? uh yeah she she was in gremlins to the new batch oh
1: okay which uh, i never yeah
0: don't don't sweat it it was not that great <laughs> a movie uh, it was one of those sequels that really should never have been made. But
1: Oh, God. Yeah.
0: Uh, she was also in Home Alone 3. Uh, you know, that was another John Hughes film, but again, one of those sequels that really should have just stayed dead.
1: Yes, I never saw that either. So.
0: <laughs> You're not missing anything.
1: No, so I tend to really stay away from a lot of sequels unless I've been told, oh, yeah, this is a really good sequel. You need to watch it.
0: So. Yeah. I mean, there, there are certain <laughs> sequels out there that we know are just just as good as the first one or better, but it's few and far between.
1: Yeah, Uh, it really is. You know,
0: Terminator 2, I have to say, I would hold that as good as the first one, if not better.
1: I do like Terminator 2. Yeah. so
0: there's, there's certain sequels, Empire Strikes Back, excellent Uh sequel. You know, so I mean, there, there are a few out there that will, that are held up there, but. Absolutely. Uh, well, I did find out though, that she also, uh, you a soap fan? Mm,
1: Um, I used to be, not as much anymore, but I did, I, back in the day, I did watch a lot of soaps. yes.
0: Did you ever watch One Life to Live?
1: Oh, occasionally, yes. Was she on One Life to Live?
0: She was Claire Baxter on One Life to Live.
1: Oh, okay, I might have seen her then, okay. Uh, She was also
0: on As the World Turns as Bridget Lawson.
1: Oh my goodness! You know, okay, Bridget
0: Lawson was kind of a smaller role from what I saw. It was only about four episodes, four or five episodes. Uh-huh. But she was on As the World Turns, One Life to Live. She did seventy-five episodes. So,
1: oh, I'm, you know what? If I could go back and see it, I probably would. I probably recognize her. I'll be darned.
0: Yeah, so a little bit, Great. you know, a little bit of information that she has gone on to do other work. Uh, yeah, she has gone from that blonde haired, you know, the blonde haired beauty look. Uh, mm-hmm. From what I saw, the last pictures I saw of her, she's gone to like a. Uh, Like a brunette, like a redheaded brunette almost. Oh, like Uh, an Auburn. Oh, good. You know. Uh, Personally, I liked her better as blonde, but that's me. You know, I've always had an affinity for blondes. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Next guy in the line here uh, who played as Jim Baker or Sam Baker's dad uh, was Paul Dooley. Mm -hmm. Uh, He has a very memorable face. And you see him, he, you recognize him, but he's kind of one of these, he's kind of one of these character actors that you just kind of see him and you don't ever really have like a huge, huge place for him. Uh, Yes,
1: He's done a lot of like bit acting and like, you know, roles in like TV series and, yeah, I, I I recognize him but I don't remember his name, but I I, I can place him like oh I've seen him somewhere. I've seen yeah. him somewhere and he's done a lot of stuff. Yeah,
0: well, he one of his big roles that I remember from the 90s was that he was on Grace Under Fire.
1: Uh-huh. Uh, he was yep. one of the
0: foreman bosses on the show. Yep. Uh he was also Judge Swackhelm on Private Practice. Yes. Uh yes. he he was uh he was also he did some voiceover where he was uh, the voice of Sarge. The army truck, uh, the uh-huh. little army jeep in Cars and Cars 2.
1: He was. That's right. Okay. That's right. Yes.
0: And if you ever saw the live action version of Popeye, which had Robert uh, Robin Williams and Shelley Duvall.
1: Yes, I did. Okay. Was he in that too? Paul
0: Dooley played as Wimpy.
1: Oh, no kidding.
0: Yeah, I, oh. I did not realize that. And I'm like, no. really? Wow. The guy with the jowls is playing as Wimpy. Yeah. Okay.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: Uh, So yeah, he was in that. Uh, Moving on to some of our supporting characters. These are people that I kind of feel I have to mention some of these, but they really weren't that big of a character. They really didn't have a whole lot of screen time in some cases. Yeah. Uh, But we had John Cusack who was, uh, uh, he was one of Michael Anthony Hall's uh, geek friends or Anthony Michael Hall's geek friends.
1: Uh Uh,
0: we had, uh, Deborah Pollock, who played as Marlene, who mm-hmm. she was really memorable to me because I always had to laugh at her when I saw her on screen because she was this athletic woman who yeah. was like this big breasted giant. <laughs> and for some reason in every scene that I saw her, she was never wearing a bra. Uh yeah.
1: You know, pretty how, much. How can I tell when all the
0: headlights were on? So
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know. uh-huh.
0: Uh one of my favorite actresses, and I don't know why. I find her attractive. A lot of people are like, oh, "How can you find her attractive?" Joan Cusack.
1: I think she's great. I you think know. she's attractive too.
0: The only thing I don't like about her is like she does that whole lip thing where she like scrunches up her lips and like yeah, you know the
1: facial expressions. Yeah, please
0: don't do that, Miss Cusack. It, it makes you look <laughs> awful. It looks like you're constipated. But other than that, you're gorgeous. <laughs> You know, I loved her when she was in uh, – one of my favorite roles with her was when she was the dean in uh, School of Rock with Jack that Black. That was
1: great. That was a great movie. That yeah. and uh, in and out where she played, yeah, Kevin Kline's bride-to-be. Yeah. That was great. Yes. I love her too.
0: You know, she's just – she's
1: a great character.
0: and In in this film, she really – I don't think she said but all of, you know, two words or two lines in the movie if yeah. she said anything.
1: I but, was, yeah, very, very few words, but she was still memorable. Oh, yeah, well, very... I mean, you
0: see her on the bus and she's got that neck brace on, <laughs> neck brace throughout the entire movie. <sighs> and she's leaning yeah. over to get a drink of water and it sprays her in the face. And I'm just like... I
2: love it. I know. love it. It's uh,
0: awesome. Another character that I do want to mention, Jamie Gertz, because yes. she was she was kind of one of these little roles in the film. And you didn't really see her much other than, uh, I want to say she was the one that cut... Uh, uh Carolyn Havlins or Havlin Morris's hair when she got it caught she, in the door.
1: Yeah, she didn't cut the hair, but she was there kind of like egging the the other friend on okay. and, she, yeah, and they, she, they were
0: both like drunk of off it. their asses type oh, thing. Oh, it
1: was hilarious. Yes. Yep.
0: But uh she's been she was actually on Square Pegs back in yep. the eighties. With Sarah Jessica Parker, that horse Horseface
1: bitch. bitch. (laughs) I love that show Square Pigs. I remember we were in kindergarten when that came out, and I still remember coming home from school and sitting in front of the TV and watching that, again, because even at five, six, seven years old, I was fascinated by the teenage dynamic the teenage relationship, you know, looking up to the older, older kids and thinking they're so cool. And of course I think that she and Sarah Jessica Parker played nerds in that show, but I still thought it was just really, really cool. How funny.
0: Well, I, Jamie Gertz has also been most recently, uh, she's been on ABC, uh, for basically what I would kind of bill as being the, the cone for the 21st century, uh. uh, the TV show called the neighbors. So uh-huh. if you guys I've have never not... seen it, you'll understand exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs>
1: But that's cool. She's still
0: working. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Absolutely. And, uh, now, one last person that, that I have to mention because as soon as I saw her on screen, I instantly recognized her from, other, uh, from another film that she's done, very popular 80s film. Uh-huh. Uh, we have Zelda Rubinstein, who – she was the organist in the film.
2: <laughs> yes.
0: Uh, Zelda Rubinstein, if you don't recognize the name, uh, she was with Craig T. Nelson. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Heather Rourke, and she played in a very popular film called Poltergeist.
1: Poltergeist, yes. She
0: was the medium who helped save Heather Rourke's character from the poltergeists on the That's other side right. of that portal. Yep. So, kind of have to like that, you know. It's just again looking at some of these people and recognizing them, going back over, it, you know, twenty five years later after yeah. uh, it came out. Hey, it's great. I love this sort of thing.
1: I do too. It's so neat. It's like rediscovering new little jewels, you know, Uh, know. every time, you know, and you can watch a movie 50 times and catch something every time. It's so cool.
0: So let's go ahead and delve into the plot a little bit. And I'll kind of let you take a little bit of this here. uh, Since again, this was one of your favorites.
1: Yes. I I love this movie. It's basically Molly Ringwald's character, Samantha or Sam, you know, she wakes up, it starts off with her. She's turning 16. And I think that it's kind of implied that she just magically expects that it's just going to be a magical day and everything's going to go her way. And it it turns out to be anything, but, Um, you know, she wakes up and she's talking to her friend in the opening scene and, you know, she's checking her body out in the mirror. And it's like, I think she just, thought that she was just gonna wake up and poof she's gonna have a body. And she's realizing, okay, well she's realizing that hey,
0: the boob fairy didn't come in the night and go dang
1: Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) No Boing. You know, it's just like, okay, I I still look fifteen, what the fuck, you know? So that's kind of the first rude awakening she has. And then she goes downstairs and expects, you know, her family's going to fawn over her for, you know, happy 16th. You know, 16 is a milestone birthday. She's expecting quite a bit, and she gets nothing. Her family, oh, what the fuck, they forget her birthday. Well, so, to, be, to
0: be fair, they did have the sister's wedding that was going on the next day.
1: Yes, but it's just, even as a kid, I remember watching it and going, okay, how realistic is this? You know, obviously, you know... <sighs> The parents and the family planning this wedding i'm thinking to myself they should have looked at the calendar and realized okay that you know sam's 16th birthday it's a big freaking deal you know it's the day before maybe we should push the wedding to the following week or the week before you know Well, it,
0: didn't they say that everything was kind of about the older sister anyway
1: pretty much that's kind of yeah the sister was definitely the princess and she was the one that everything kind of revolved around and um, but yeah, the family forgets in the chaos of the morning, which to me also, you know, my mornings with my kids are kind of chaotic, but I love how exaggerated it was just the chaos of the dad, not being able to find a suitcase and you know, all the oh. kids you know, eating breakfast and getting out the door. It is a chaos was definitely exaggerated. Yeah,
0: and one of my favorite scenes is when the, 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 you know, her little brother walks out and goes, <laughs> you don't want to go in there. Grandpa was just in there. <laughs>
2: Oh, oh you no. know
0: you're gonna want to fan it and he walks in and he goes I can handle it and he walks back in and he goes okay give me the magazine and he starts fanning the door
1: <laughs> and then also I think there was another scene where the dad wanted to go into the bathroom and this and Ginny was in there and she had gotten her period and the, you know the brother was yeah. like ah sister started her period should be pretty interesting for the honeymoon and the dad's like yeah, where do you where are you learning this stuff? And the, and the kid's like, I'm learning it at school. And he's like, Cool, I'm getting my money's worth. Yeah. And you kind of, <laughs> and you kind of see how cool the dad is. You know, oh, yeah. I always thought of, I always thought of it as that's the like, cool that's the coolest dad ever. I'd love to have him for a dad because he was just so fun and so good natured and, you know, so cool and you know everything rolls off his back but oh
0: it, you know, it, things are going well
1: <laughs> exactly and then you know in the midst of the chaos you know she's just sitting there and she doesn't say anything and i thought that was very interesting she she could have totally been like hey you know everybody it's my fucking birthday but she didn't and she goes to school and then what what really struck me too is that she goes to school and even her best friend Randy doesn't give her any sympathy, doesn't give her any sort of, you know, is not sympathetic at all, not supportive at all. And throughout the entire movie, I kind of picked up on that dynamic, that she's, she's bitching and moaning, and, you know, as teenagers do, like, hey, everyone fucking forgot my birthday. You know, my life is fucking shit. I, You know, I want to kill myself. Yeah. And the friend is just like, get over it, Sam. You know, what did you expect, you know? And every every time, it, you know, it shows them having a scene together, The friend is just kind of knocking her down, and I'm just like, this is so not a supportive friend, (laughs) you know. You know, sadly,
0: that was like people in high school that I know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's true. It's just like, you know, this poor girl is trying to get some sympathy here and trying to get somebody who understands, you know, and trying to, you know. (laughs) Well,
0: I'm going to say this, you know, because I've heard so many people who they start looking for sympathy, and I'm going to use the one line that I say all the time. If you're looking for sympathy, you can find it in the dictionary between shit and syphilis. There you go. <laughs> so there's that's my bit so... there's my bit about looking oh, for sympathy.
1: That's awesome. But you know, it just adds to the fact that her whole day, from the starting from the minute she got up and she doesn't have boobs, it just kind of goes downhill from there. She's going to school, she's having, you know. Her friend's not giving her any sympathy. You know, she's having to ride the bus and that, you know, she freaking hates the bus. And that, that scene, the bus scenes are freaking hilarious. Oh. Um,
0: well, let, let's not forget the note as well because the note oh, is kind of what kicks off the entire yes, thing.
1: Yes. that's okay. Yes. So the movie kind of starts off. It shows her talking to her friend, not getting any sympathy. And then she's, yeah, they're in study hall and she's filling out this fo- this little sex quiz. And I love it. I don't know if you caught that, but it was misspelled. It was confidential, but it was spelled Oh, yeah. so you kind, of, you kind of look at that and go that's kind of cute and she's filling it out and then basically it's asking her who she would do it with if she had the opportunity to do it and she writes down jake ryan michael sheffling's character and he's sitting right behind her so you see her kind of looking over at him and faking a yawn and, and passing the quiz to her friend and he's watching this and he's and he catches the note and so i think that was initially what caught uh, Jake's eye, uh, you know, and kind of made him pay attention to Sam was the fact that, you know, he got this quiz and he realized, oh, she wants to do it with me. Um, I don't think that he would have really been interested in her had that note not been discovered. That, I, I, who knows?
2: Yeah.
1: Um, but you know, he did know that she was kind of checking him out and stuff and was interested in him. But I think that that note was kind of a catalyst for him being interested in her. Um, And of course, the friend didn't get the note. Jake got the note. And he's asking around, he's asking his friends, you know, what do you think of Sam? And, And the friends really aren't all that impressed. And I have to interject with something here. I thought it was very interesting, even as a kid, that Jake and his friends and his girlfriend, Carolyn, they don't look like high school students to me. They look like full grown adults. They look older, they look hot, they look sophisticated, and I thought it and I don't know if this was something that John Hughes did on purpose, but I thought it was interesting that, you know, Molly Ringwald, <clears throat> Anthony Michael Hall, John Cusack, you know, the nerds and the and uh, Randy the fr- and, you know, Sam's friend in the movie, they all look age appropriate. They well, all look 15,
0: 16. Let me, let me bring that up because when uh, when Sixteen Candles was actually released in theaters Mm-hmm. Both Molly Ringwald and Anthony Michael Hall uh, were sixteen. They actually How turned sixteen uh, like just before the release of the movie.
1: I'll be darned, yeah. So, they look they look age appropriate, yeah. and they dressed age appropriate, and it just and they acted age appropriate. To me, I'm watching this, and what really struck me was I'm like, I'm sorry, Jake and his friend, especially you know, in the weightlifting scene, mm-hmm. they look like they're twenty something. Well, let's... they don't, get, you know, and Carolyn. Twenty something, and I don't know how old they were in the filming of the movie. But I don't know if it was like a, a miscast or if well, that was
0: intentional. It was. It was intentional. And what happened is that uh, that line there that Sam has about Caroline when she says, "Caroline must have flunked like nine grades or something" because <laughs> of her mature figure for a high school that's student. That's right. Uh,
1: that's right. In
0: actuality, Haviland Morris was twenty-five years old during filming.
1: Oh, I did so not know that. Okay. Hot body
0: that we see. Yeah, that's a twenty-five-year-old's body. Uh huh.
2: Please. Michael Schiffling,
0: who played as Jake Ryan, he was twenty four at the time. So again oh, oh, older okay. cast, you know, playing uh, trying to uh. play the role of, of high school students and
1: Yes, which is very common nowadays. But back then, even as a kid, I'm like, Oh my god, these are adults. They're not they're not teenagers. What the heck? But maybe it was, yeah, like you said, it was intentional to kind of set, you know, to show, okay, these are the rich, sophisticated, popular kids, you know, the glamorous, you know, popular kids. And then here's yeah. Santa. And I happen to think that back in the day, Molly Ringwald was actually really cute, um, and she was very pretty. But she was somebody that I would say, you know, could walk into a room and was not really overly noticeable. But she had kind of a quiet beauty about her, kind of understated. Yeah. Um, and to me, you know, now it's unfortunate she hasn't aged well, but. You know, that might have been something, too, that John Hughes was trying to capture was, that okay, you know, you know in theory, would Jake's character really have been interested in Sam? Maybe, maybe not. Yeah. You know, he, he was hot enough to, get, to, to attract the Carolins, and um, he really, you know, he went for Sam, and that was interesting to me. And even Anthony Michael Hall, you know, he did a great job playing the geek. Um, but, yeah, it was, they were very age-appropriate. Yeah,
0: uh, and I have to say, I really I really did like them for this role. The casting I for that, too. Hughes did an excellent job for casting those two for that role. So it was a fit.
1: And, abs- and even like the dynamic between in Sam's family, like her older sister, Ginny, she was kind of the blonde, bimbo, kind of Carolyn type, self-centered, me, um, mm-hmm. me, me, very uppity. Um and I thought it was interesting, too, that even in Sam's family, you know, here's Sam just kind of being ordinary, you know, and her sister is like drop dead gorgeous bimbo. You know, um, I thought that was very interesting, too, that there was all these characters around her that were more significant, seemed more significant, if that makes any sense. Oh, yeah. But, but yeah, definitely, I think the note was the catalyst to get Jake on her radar um, and he was starting to get fed up with Carolyn's antics anyway and her self-centeredness and her, you know, being shallow and partying all the time. Everything and,
0: about me, me, me type thing.
1: Yes, yes. He was starting to get, and you can kind of see that even from the get-go, you know, he, yes, he's rich. Yes, he's, you know, hot and sophisticated, but he, there's something really likable about his character. Um, and you see, okay, he's not just this pompous ass. He's not this jerk. You know, he really does want you know, love and it kinda sets them apart from Carolyn right from the get go. So um as the movie progresses, you know, you, there's like a, the, the grandparents come for the wedding and there's oh. some Oh the, God the, the grandparents
0: are just <laughs>
1: <laughs> Hilarious. Oh my God. I was just watching this and just and my daughter was watching it with me and she's like, Oh, the cheese factor in this is hilarious. Well now with, so with the grandparents cheddar.
0: with the grandparents showing up, we do have to mention what happens to poor Molly Ringwald. <laughs>
1: You know, when
0: when her grandmother oh. walks up to her and sees oh, her.
1: God. Oh, yes. Yeah. So I'll let you so go tough. ahead and tell that. Oh, God. Well, yeah, it, going along with how horrible her birthday is, she comes home from school trying to get away from everybody because it's just been a shitty day. And, what you know, she runs into her grandfather, and they're having a little exchange, and it's pretty funny. And then the grandmother comes in, and they're talking about her boobs. And she's just like, oh, you know, rubbing, which is hilarious, because earlier in the day, you know, she's commenting that she doesn't have a bod. You know, so then they're like, oh, she's getting her boobies, and they're so perky, and so I need to get my magnifying glass. And they're, like, fawning over her boobs. And then the grandmother feels her up. So that's just adding oh, yeah. to the yeah. to the horror of her day, you yeah, know. The line I just got felt up by
0: my grandmother. Oh my god, can the day get any worse? <laughs>
1: can the day yes. get any worse? And yes, it going, can. It can. Never
0: say can it get any worse because then worse will come along the uh, you know, worse.
1: <laughs> exactly. And I think before that, she runs into her other set of grandparents cuz she goes up to her room and they're in their skivvies which was god awful uh. and hilarious. They're in their slip and their boxers and their folded down nylons and just, oh my God. And there's like so cheesy fawning over her, but they don't realize it's her birthday. And she's like, what the fuck? Yeah. My grandparents forgetting a fucking birthday? You know, they live for that. What the hell? Yeah. So she's just, you know, one after another, she's encountering people that are not remembering her birthday. And she's feeling utterly forgettable. Feeling what was me, you know. And, of course,
0: what does she do? She tries to escape from all the grandparents. And who does she run into and encounters?
1: Long duck dog. Yes.
2: What's yeah. up, hot stuff?
1: <laughs> you know, I have to interject, too, again, with the sound effects. As soon as he shows up, you hear the gong in the background. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is freaking hilarious. And so she's just, like, freaked out. Who the hell is this? She goes downstairs and talks to the mother and the brother. Again, no sympathy, you know. Yeah. Um, and every time his name is mentioned, you know, you hear long dog dong and then you hear the gong. It just <laughs> it's <laughs> hilarious. But yeah, it's it, it, everywhere she's, it, every in, uh, encounter that she has with people. It's there's no sympathy. There's no happy birthday. There's no how was your day, dear. There's no you know asking how she's doing. It's just she's just going you know along for the ride, and it's just a shitty ride all around you know. Yeah. Um, So you just re- immediately feel sympathy for this character. It's just like this poor girl you know. <laughs> no sympathy at school you know. No attention at home. It's just oh this poor thing. Um, but you know Long Duck Dong you know he is a, a really Interesting character.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, especially <laughs> since he was, the, you know, I kind of loved how the grandparents, like, they find out that she's going to go to the high school, the senior uh, dance. Yeah. Yes. You know, she's going to try to go that dance, and she's like, oh, fine, I just need to get out of the house, get away from yes. all this, because everybody forgot my birthday, and I'm not doing any dinner or and anything like fa- that.
1: And they're fawning over Long Dug Dong about what a great, you know, exchange student he is, and she's just like, oh, gag me with a spoon, you know, you can see her rolling her eyes, but she did a brilliant job doing the eye rolling oh, and yeah. the muddling. Muttering under her breath. I mean, total teenage. My daughter's doing it now. God forbid. She's eleven, going on twelve, and I'm seeing it now. And I'm just like, oh, here we go. And you want to reach
0: over, and just slap her upside the back of the head oh, and I'll knock it off.
1: Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. But I recognize me in that, because in her, because I did the exact same thing. And it's just, it's infuriating. Oh, yeah. But she, she was brilliant, and, and it was very, very funny, and how she, in how she executed it. But yeah, she pulled off the teen angst perfectly. I think. Um, but well, yeah she has to go to the dance with him and that's well and i I
0: love that they get to the dance with like within like five minutes of them showing up at the dance yes the donger hooks up with somebody
1: (laughs) (laughs) exactly and she's lived i think she even said i've lived here my entire life i'm like a disease he's here for five minutes he's got somebody what the fuck yeah (laughs) can my day be any worse you know (laughs) It just kind of rubs it in her face that things are just not going well for this girl. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Um, oh, and then the scene on the bus with Anthony Michael Hall.
0: Yeah, we have to bring that up.
1: We have to bring that up. That was uh, what was the uh, the music in the background there? Uh, dun, 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 dun.
0: The the theme song, the Dragnet. Yes. <laughs> and he kind of does that whole walk up to her, and he's like, he's like trying to get into her. He's like, hey he's, baby, you know, he's telling all his friends. I you know I'm going to get me a girl I'm a freshman but yeah things are going to be different this year you're going to see watch the master at work
1: Oh, God, and it was so, again, he was so brilliant as the geek that it just, it was hilarious from start to finish. He was sitting too close to her. He was sniffing her. He was checking her out. He was giving her one-liners, and you just watch that scene, and John—and I think that's the very first scene with Joan Cusack as well where we see her on the bus yes. sitting next across from them, and she's watching this, and you can see little smirks on her face too as she's watching this. She's exchange. trying to do that whole, mm, mm, yeah, hi, <laughs> hi, guys. I, I see you, but yeah. Don't
0: pay any attention to me because I'm a geek, yeah.
1: I'm a geek, yeah. But it just, oh, it was so funny. And, and Molly Ringwald is just, you know, Sam is just like, leave me the fuck alone. Yeah. <laughs> and trying to just, you know, sick him off of her. and And he's just not getting the hint. Or maybe he is, but he's just really tenacious and he's going to keep trying. But you see... He's obnoxious, but you see that he really does like her, and it's so it's kind of charming at the same time and, as being annoying. It's it's very charming at the same time. Um, and, and you know, but, I
0: don't think he was overly obnoxious. I think he no. was. I, I think it was kind of like, look, I'm you know, I'm just this freshman who's a little horny and I really want to have a girlfriend, but <laughs> you know.
1: It was very well done. It was very well done. Yeah. His character, I, I liked it right off the bat. I'm like, yeah, because he was not so over the top that it was like, ugh, get off the screen. It was, very, it was very well done. And her reaction to him was very well done. You know. Oh,
0: yeah. She basically looks at him and says, go to hell. <laughs> go to hell.
1: <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so everything, and I, I have to say, too, with the bus scenes, Hughes did a brilliant job and I I don't know what other other movies besides 16 Candles and Ferris Bueller where he did a bus scene but his bus scenes were were just great how he had these nerds on the bus and that was something also too going along with how he had like the characters being age appropriate and then how he had the external characters not really being age appropriate I kind of thought it was interesting that he typecasts all the kids on the bus. And to me, it almost seemed like it was like a junior high bus or something. These, yeah. Like they, it was not, it was very over the top. I don't, I don't remember. I never rode the bus in high school, but I'm sure that there wasn't kids wearing jock straps on their heads playing, <laughs> you know, video, video tag or laser tag or whatever the hell they had, their little contraptions, their gadgets, you yeah. know? Well, I, I have
0: to ask, you know, and I have to interject here with the whole jock strap on the head.
1: <laughs> what
0: the fuck? Uh, I, I'm just going to say, what the fuck? Because, <laughs> I, you know, in high school, I knew what a jog strap was. I knew where it went. I knew oh, you know, because of what it held and where it supported. Exactly. It was not something I was going to stick on my
1: head. Exactly. It just further, I think it was meant to just further show that these are just major nerds. But every, you know, and I think I want to say there was a John Cusack's character was way in the back and i think he had a jock strap too so he actually got to wear a jock strap for that. but i'm just like oh my god these are these are like what sixth you know they're acting like sixth graders maybe seventh grade but high school especially since the, you know sam and her friend were sophomores yeah. these were presumably freshmen they're only a year apart in age but yet they show the distinction of how young and immature and dorky the nerds were and then Sam and her friend are a little more cool. And then Carolyn and Jake and their friends and their crowd were like way more sophisticated. So it was an interesting dynamic there. Well, I we'll,
0: we'll define sophisticated when we get to the party.
1: Cause oh, I, absolutely. Wasn't that sophistication at its finest? Oh, yeah. god. That party, I, I don't think I've ever been to a party where the house was that trashed. And it just, no. oh, it made me so angry. I wanted to reach to the screen and punch Carolyn. I'm just like, you fucking insensitive bitch. But, you well, know, it, that was something else, too. I wonder why Sam didn't go to that party. I don't know why she didn't. Maybe it was just such a shitty day and she didn't want, well, it was at Jake's house and Jake and his girlfriend were there. So, yeah, yeah.
0: She was kind it of not was, wanting to have another confrontation because when they were at the dance after they'd gone through and Anthony Michael Hall. Uh, cause they, she goes off, she gets sick and tired of everything at the dance and yeah. you know, her day kind of going shitty. So she wanders off and goes into the auto shop and yeah. she's sitting there in this like ripped up car that they're supposed to be yeah. fixing. Yeah. And Anthony Michael Hall walks in and he kind of sits there with her and, and, you know, she kind of does this whole woe is me type thing. And she tells him that it's her birthday. And of course, yeah. what does he, now I have to point this out because this is kind of a director trademark Yep. because Hughes loved. He loved the Beatles. That was his thing. He loved loved yeah. loved the Beatles. He mm-hmm. had Michael Anthony Hall when he finds out that or Anthony Michael Hall when he finds out that it's her birthday. He starts yep. singing Birthday by the Beatles.
1: Yes. That's right. Yep.
0: You know, and then yep. afterwards he goes, "Oh, well you don't like you don't you don't like that song?" Okay, well, here we go. <laughs> and he starts singing Hey Jude. Yep. You know, yep. and so that to me was like, "Okay, here's some nice nice little pointer, you know, nice little trademarks from the director kind of pull mm-hmm. that out because he's tried to do that in like every single film." Or he's I was had something ask. with Beatles.
1: I know that Ferris Bueller he did, but I, I have—I don't remember if he's done that in every single from, film that he's
0: done. Yeah, from what I understand, he he's tried to do that for everything. So That
1: is so cool. Uh, yeah. But yeah, he,
0: So, I mean, you know, he went through all this, you know, basically when at that point, you know, they kind of have Ted finds out about this that, you know, and he's kind of like, okay, look, I'm really sorry. And he finds out that she likes Jake and he's like, yes. oh, well, me and Jake are good buddies because, you know, yeah. like what, five minutes before Jake had – uh, run into him. And he's like, Hey, what do you know uh-huh. about her? What do you know about Sam Baker? Yeah. And I was like, Oh, well, uh, I'm really sorry, sir. You know, no, no, no. Tell me what you know about her. And he's like, Oh, well, you know, uh, you know, he kind of, he kind of lays down a little bit about her, about how she, he's, you know, they're good friends and whatnot.
1: I know what, I have to interject. I, once again, there was a reference to her smallish tits. I think that was what he said. She smells good, but she has smallish tits. But she's, you know, she's a great girl. Yeah. You know, So it's, it's been mentioned a few times in the movie that she's got smallish tits. Poor girl. You know, but I really loved that scene. I have to interject. I really loved that scene with them in the auto shop because it actually shows that she's not, you know, a bitch to him. And he yeah. really does like her. And they, you know, they kind of bond a little bit. And because, you know, he did, t- you know, even though I, I thought it was really sweet, he really liked Sam. But yet when he found out that she liked Jake, he kind of put that aside and helped her get Jake. And I thought that was so, even as a kid, I thought that is so big of him. That is so, oh. you know, that is so sweet and, and so respectful. And you don't see that very often. Um, and it was memorable to me, even at a young age, that, wow, he really likes this girl enough to let her go with Jake. You know, well, how now, sweet.
0: He did have, because of all that, He did get her to do one thing, which ended up being one of the most memorable scenes in the movie. Oh, yes. Oh,
1: yes. Okay.
0: For those who have not seen this film, this is the scene I'm talking about. You may have seen clips of it. Uh He gets her panties. That's right. what does he do with her panties? He takes and he shows all the nerds and geeks. (laughs) He charges them a dollar to come into the boys' bathroom to see that he's gotten her panties as part of the unlawful carnal knowledge.
1: That's right. And you know what, that was very big of her to loan him her panties, because I think I think that was kind of her way of kind of paying him back for helping with Jake. Okay, sure, I'll give you my panties. And the implication there being that it's going to be, you know, who knows, I mean, the, the rumors could have started spreading like wildfire, but she was willing to put herself out there and risk that, that, hey, you know, she and you know, farmer Ted slept together. So she yeah. was willing to put herself out there, even though it was not true. I found that to be very cool of her as well, that she was willing to help him out by giving her his pan you know, her giving him her panties, you know, in exchange for him telling her about Jake, liking her and asking about her. So I, I really, really liked that scene. That was and yeah, the panty scene was hilarious in the in the in the bathroom. That was <laughs> and, and of course, oh that god. does come
0: back to bite them both on the ass the next day because yes. she finds out from a friend who her brother or something like that
1: paid uh, a dollar to see the panties. Yeah, so she's was she like oh out. my god!
0: And then of course she's <laughs> looking up
1: <laughs> what. Oh, my God. But, you know, that's interesting, too, that in the progression of how things are playing out, you know, the note or the sex quiz is what started Jake's interest in her. And then as the movie progresses, and although from her end, she's having just the most god awful day ever in her interactions with people. But on the other side of it, you know, you see the interaction with her and the nerd, you know, and and Ted. And then she starts realizing, okay, he is asking about me maybe there is something you know maybe he is interested in me so there's a little bit of hope going on there but it is interesting that behind the scenes it's playing out it's working out even with all the little hiccups for them to get together at the end and i i loved how it played out um and yeah i think after the dance Which, I have to say, that dance was just hilarious. I love the 80s soundtrack. I love the music in in there. But, you know, Ted, like, you know, embarrassing her by dancing and trying to get her to dance with him and doing that god-awful dance. And and (laughs) and then his nerd friends laughing at him, pointing at him, and ha-ha-ha, you know, what a dumbass. You know, he tried so hard to get Sam to like him, and it just, it didn't work. But then, you know, it, it does work out because you know, Sam gets Jake in the end and then he gets Carolyn in the end, which we'll we're working our way there. But oh, yeah. uh, but what else was memorable? I'm trying to think. Um the bus scene, uh the dance scene, um the party. The party. Yes. Okay. That was I watched that even now, and I'm just like, oh, that house was absolutely trashed. And what had happened was, Carolyn had just said, I just invited a couple of friends over. Is that okay? And then, of course, as things tend to do, it spread around like wildfire, and everyone left the dance to go to this party, you know, everyone except for Sam. So that house was just filled to the brim, and it was absolutely destroyed. And I just, and he was pissed off. You could see just from the get go. He was absolutely livid, and she's so blitzed she doesn't even know. Um, but well, even long Doug Dong being there and Marlene being there, and the, there's some hilarious things that happen there.
0: They're lifting weights and drop it and falls oh, through all the floors god. and
1: everything. Oh, oh god! Yeah, the just uh, pizza on the record player, you know, bubbles coming through the air vents, you know. The, the kids you know,
0: wearing wearing the mom's fur and pearls.
1: Oh, God, yeah. I just, oh. And then, yeah, he, and she's drunk, but or Carolyn's drunk, but yet she's trying to get Jake's attention, and he's having none of it. He's just fed up, fit to be tied. And... I thought it was interesting too because nowadays you'll see party scenes with teenagers and you see a lot of, you know, sex. You'll see the kids going yes. off in the bedrooms and having sex. And in this movie they didn't it was kept pretty clean. You see the, you saw the right. debauchery. You saw how they were just acting just completely, you know, obnoxious and crazy and drunk and, you know, drinking and, you know, the thing, you know, all the stuff going on, but there was no sex. Uh, and that struck me well, now. And, and I thought that was
0: kind of funny because Jake, when he wanders off to go into one of the bedrooms, he goes upstairs yes. to a bedroom. He picks up, and, and this is a huge plot hole for me that bugged the hell out of me, <laughs> was that he walks up and he goes upstairs, pulls out their yearbook, finds yeah. Sam's picture,
1: uh huh, and then
0: apparently from that picture somehow he gets her phone number and calls yes. her.
1: Yes. Which I – the only thing I can think of is that maybe the yearbooks there at that school, maybe they did post their numbers. I don't – i I've never heard of that, but it, I guess it is possible. Um, maybe they had a school directory in the back of the yearbook or something. But, yeah, that is kind of a plot hole. How did he get her number? I It is kind of a weird um, – and then, of course, calling so late – And the fact that they're, you know, the circumstances being what they are with the wedding and the grandparents being in Sam's room and they, and they're, you know, they answer the phone and there's a funny exchange there where they tell Jake off. And, you know, now in real life, I don't know if he would have really continued to pursue her after getting told off by the grandparents, you know, Um, he might've been just like, okay, this is just too fucking wacky, you know? And then, and then I think there was a couple of exchanges where she had gone up to him in the gym during the dance and he, didn't you know she didn't you know talk to him she was too nervous so she ran off there was enough there was enough clues there that maybe it just was not meant to happen to where he probably if this had happened in real life he probably would have said fuck this girl I'm just going to find somebody else because this is just not yeah
2: it's
1: not it's not coming together it's not we're not clicking here and then the grandparents telling him off was kind of would be kind of like the final straw fuck this I'm not going to call this girl again but as it as it turned out, maybe that piqued his interest. Who knows? Um, well, and so he kept-
0: I think you may have been right in the whole thing of you know what this is over and done with until he finds Ted underneath the glass table.
1: Yeah. Trapped under the
0: table yes. in his house when he's trying to clean up and kick everybody out.
1: That's right. Yes. Because and then Ted
0: kind of Ted kind of comes up and says, "Well, you know, she really is a great girl, and I know her, and you know, look, this is what you need to do. Don't yeah. you know, treat her right, because and of course, what does he say? The the one line that he says. Uh, if, if you don't treat her right, I'm gonna. Well, okay, maybe not me, but I'll find somebody bigger than you to come kick your ass. <laughs>
1: He was defending her honor, which was so sweet. And you know, you could tell that he, as he's talking about her, you know, he he still likes her, yeah. but he's he's respecting that Jake is interested. You know, and and you know, he's talking about Carolyn and everything. And yeah, I, I could go out and get get a piece of ass from her anytime I want, but I don't, I'm not interested in that anymore. And that was a very interesting pivotal scene as well, I think, because he was trapped in the table by the big jocks. And then in the course of that, you know, you see the nerd and you see the cool kid getting along and interfacing. And that was kind of an interesting exchange that they're actually getting along, which further, you know, in my mind, I'm, it made me think, wow, I really like Jake. He's a cool dude, you know. He actually he saw, is. He's,
0: he actually was not the typical jock asshole no. you see in most films.
1: Exactly. He was, he was talking to the nerd like they were buddies, like they were equals. And I thought that was really cool. But then, of course, because he still had Sam's panties, because earlier he said, can I borrow your underpants for 10 minutes? And he ended up keeping them overnight, which worked out to both Ted's and Samantha's favor and, and Jake's favor, because he passes the panties on to Jake. And then then Jake, just the way that this played out was awesome because he's like, here, give me the panties. I'll I'll take care of these. You know, why don't you take Carolyn home? She's passed out in the bedroom. Why don't you take Carolyn home? So, of course, you know, Ted is a freshman. He doesn't have a driver's license, you know. (laughs) But I thought that was hilarious that they go out to the garage and there's the poor boy Porsche, Jake's poor boy Porsche, and his dad's Rolls Royce. So it's just like... Okay, I'm expected to drive home the prom queen in this Rolls-Royce. Yeah. Uh, well, well, I have to laugh because he had that he had that
0: piece of crap Porsche 924 that was just yes. You know, I, I was like, For "Oh my god, course. really?" Yeah. You know, yeah. But I I I that Rolls-Royce was hilarious cuz he's like, "Fine, just take my dad's car. It's an automatic." <laughs>
2: It's
0: a no quad, it's Rolls Royce. The no grill alone yeah. costs $5,000. Do you have $5,000 to pay for it if it gets wrecked? Because I don't have $5,000. Uh-huh. you can totally hear that panic moment on his, oh, on
1: his face. Oh, absolutely. And Jake was just like, whatever, no, whatever. He was so wet, ready and willing to get rid of Carolyn at that point. It was yeah. like, I'll, I'll even have this nerd with who does not have a license to drive my dad's Rolls Royce. It just, you know, it played out so wonderful. Um, and then how, you know, just to drive home. Between yeah. That was hilarious because she comes to and she's acting crazy and she pulled off playing drunk beautifully, I oh, thought. Yeah. Oh, it was beautiful. Playing with the, uh, put, putting the top up and down, answering and, the
0: phone. And, and of course, here, have one of these. And he's like, oh, what is it, a mint?
1: Oh, great. Now we're both on the pill. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. And, you know, it just, yeah, he was distracted. He was trying to get her home. He's learning how to drive as they're doing this. Yeah. And, and cra- I think he crashed into a like a garbage can or something, and ended up yeah. getting off the road. And then just their interaction. And it, what I love about this scene is that another trademark John Hughes moment is where they stop. He hits the garbage can and he stops, and then she fall. He puts her head in his lap and, and says, "I love you." And he looks at the camera and he says, "This is getting good." So you see him <laughs> breaking. The, you see him like what is it? You breaking broke, the, fourth wall. the
0: fourth wall? Yeah.
1: Yeah, and Talk talking to the, to, to the camera, and I loved that, and that was something I gravitated to, just like in the movie Ferris Bueller, you know, the, yeah. when Ferris talks to, the, you know, talks to the camera. I love that, um, and I wish that it, it had happened more in 16 Candles. I think that was the only time that that happened, um, but you see, you know, everything is bit by bit, you know, through this chain of events here, through the shittiness of Sam's birthday, everything is working out. To everyone's advantage, even though Sam yeah. doesn't see it, even though Sam doesn't see what's playing out behind the scenes, it's still working out to everyone's advantage. So, you know, he, um, Ted stops off at his friend's house and, you know, wants photographic evidence of, hey, I've got this Rolls Royce and I've got and, the prom queen. And I
0: love that because they show up there and he's like, well, you got film in your camera? Why is there a UFO sighting outside? Oh,
1: there's something bad, better than a UFO sighting. Really? What could be better than that? You can see the dorkiness playing out. Oh, is there a female alien with four boobs? What What do you got yeah. out there? I freaking love that. Um, and again, you know, John Cusack playing the nerd beautifully. Um, you know, but yeah, when they go to, you know, they go to all this trouble to set up the camera equipment to get this picture of Ted and Carolyn in the Rolls Royce and it doesn't work out. They get like a part of... Ted's head you know, like or the, something.
0: the top half of his head and you can see, like, <laughs> his eyes. That's about
1: it. Exactly. And it's like it's so hilarious. And they're just and you know, them being, you know, nerds and Ted being kind of the king of the nerds, they're just looking at him in awe, you know, like, Oh my god, you got two girls in one night. What's yeah. your secret? You know? How how is this possible? Uh you're you're interfacing with Jake Ryan and you got his dad's Rolls Royce, yeah. you know. So, you know, that just you know plays out even more for Ted because, hey, I got my nerd friends thinking I'm the shit, you know. Um, but yeah, it was kind of implied and it's kind of up for debate because you see after, you know, the joyride is over and they crash, you see them, you know, waking up the next morning and he's got headgear in, which I thought was always yeah. weird. Like, okay, where the hell did the headgear kind of materialize from? Um yeah, because I mean,
0: that's not something that you can just like, you know, slip into your back pocket or something. No,
1: yeah, it's kind of weird. It's like, where did that come from? Did, how did he have it on him? Um, but, yeah, they were talking, you know, Carolyn and Ted, and it's kind of like, did they have sex? Did they not have sex? But that was kind of up for debate. Is, yeah, well, you know, because
0: like she makes he asks her, did we? And she goes, I think if we did, you'd remember.
1: Yeah. You know, so it was kind
0: of like, okay, so did they really not?
1: I kind of like to think that they did, just because Carolyn being the kind of wild partier, you know, drunk off her ass kind of loose girl that she was I kind of felt like yeah they probably did and especially because I did really kind of want him to get some he was complaining all the movie about how he's never bagged a babe and how he's never had sex and he's still a virgin and so my my thought watching it is I really want this to have been the case for him I really want him to have got it on with the prom queen see
0: here's the thing is that I I I have to say I think that it was the opposite and the main reason for it is that Ted was (laughs) very respectful of women True. I mean, the yes. fact that he was yes. respectful of Sam Baker and, you know, he's yes. doing everything that he can. So, I mean, I kind of want to believe that he wasn't that way just because yeah. it was more of a chivalrous type of thing. That's so, true.
1: Yeah, and I mean, you did – I agree. You're right because you did see them. They were both still fully dressed. There was no obvious signs of sex going on. And, and so, that was
0: the other thing is that when you see that sort of stuff, when, you know, people have had sex, it's, it's pretty obvious. Cause like, you'll see like a bra laying here or you'll see a yeah. shirt being disheveled and the hair sticking yeah. every which way. I mean, that's yeah. the way that they always make it out to seem like, Oh, the sex was completely wild. And everybody was just kind of like being thrown here and thrown there and all over the yeah, place, you know,
1: exactly. A lot of disarray. And there was not Yeah, He had his headgear in, they were fully dressed, you know, I, so yeah, maybe it was the, the combination of him being respectful ultimately and not and then of course them not having obvious not being obvious i think that might have been hughes's attempt to let you kind of make your own conclusion there yeah uh, about that but yeah i always like to think that they did but even if they didn't at the end you know obviously she she was still into him you know she woke up in his arms and thought it was really sweet and he was just like oh i you know just being himself and it yeah. paid off you know he um, he's used to getting shot down. He's used to the rejection. Sam rejected him. You know, he's used to being, you know, put off and hit, you know, hit, you know, and get away from me. You're a nerd. So for the prom queen to actually have enjoyed being with him, it was it was a huge perk. Um, and, and then, of
0: course, Jake and, you know, Jake does come up and see Carolyn uh, and Ted together, and, and, like, she kind of sees him. And they kind of have this whole mutual breakup moment. Yes. And it was uh, it was nice because it wasn't this huge fight, and it was kind of like, hey, we, no. you know, he kind of let her off because he had Sam that he wanted to go chase after. He, you know, Sam yeah. s- at this point still wasn't a sure thing, but no. you know, Carolyn's kind of like, you know, Jake, I'm sorry, I've been an ass, and you know, really, I I think that we're better off seeing other people, and
1: yeah, you know, it was
0: actually a good breakup moment.
1: It really was a good breakup moment, and I think too, like you pointed out, that when she when they were uh, when they had woken up when they. Um, after they crashed in the next morning and they're like, where are we? Where are we? And, and she had said, we're across the street from my church. Yeah. And I, yeah. It was And like you had point out, pointed out yesterday, it was that, I believe that probably was the church that Sam was actually going to be at for Ginny's wedding.
0: Yes. And, um, and we have to kind of mention the wedding scenes because there oh, was hilarious. Uh, I mean, to oh. start off, all the parents going together to get into you know, all the cars, different cars to drive over there. And then, of course, seeing yes. Long Duck Dong laying on the lawn with the dog <laughs> pissing on him. So, <laughs> you, know? uh, oh, you God. Know, we have to bring that up. And oh, then, of God. course, you know, they go through all this and they're leaving. They're trying to get over there. And, and Jake is still looking for Sam Baker at this point, And he goes to yes. Sam's house, knocks on the door.
1: Oh, my favorite scene.
0: You know, and, and Long Duck Dong answers the door. Where are they? <laughs>
1: Oh, where, where's Sam? They're at church. They're at church.
0: Why are they at church? Oh, she getting mellied.
1: Mellied.
2: What?
0: <laughs> what? And you can see the look on his face like,
1: oh, shit, she's hell? getting married?
0: What? She's 16. What the hell is she doing getting married?
1: And he kept questioning it. Married? Mellied? Yeah. Married? Yes. Mellied? It was hilarious. Oh, yeah. Just, oh my God! I was laughing so hard, Mellied. And so he's just like, okay, so maybe the in the town they were in, maybe there was only one church. So he goes, so he's heading over there, which is how he encountered, you know, Ted and Carolyn in the car. Yeah. Uh, but oh God, that was so funny, and how that all played out. Um, you know, it just oh, I cracked up so hard. So yeah, I think that that was where Sam and the family was for for the wedding. And so he was just there after he broke up with Carolyn, he was there and he parked in front of the church waiting for her. Um, but yeah, I have to interject or should we do trivia later? Cause I was going to mention about the whole thing in the driveway with the parent, with the grandparents getting in the we'll car. We'll get to that in a few minutes. Cause... Yeah. Yeah. But I love how, yeah, he was just sitting there waiting and they go through the mo. I, and I have to say the wedding scene to me was the best wedding scene and the worst wedding scene I've ever seen it was, in a
0: movie. It was a wedding from hell, basically. <laughs> it was a
1: wedding from hell. Uh-huh. And what I loved about it was that everybody had that was laughing. Everybody was laughing and smiling with a shit-eating grin on their face, going oh through God. this. And it just—it was the com- the comedy of it was just so well, funny. She, uh,
0: of course, because the the older sister, she's having the cramps and having the period, and she's trying to. <laughs> Trying to ease the pain so she takes a muscle relaxer. Well, she doesn't take just one. No, she takes four of them to oh, try and no. call the pain. And it's she's like you- touching her face. And, like, <laughs> Blurry
1: fishes. Ah. Yeah. yeah, spaghetti legs. And that's true. I've taken muscle relaxers. And, yes, you really have to follow the directions on the bottle. Yeah. Because if, if you don't, you it's, it's it was exaggerated but not by much. You yeah. are you are loopy as fuck. And it just was so funny that she just, she played that beautifully as well. Each one of the characters played, you know, whatever scene it was where they had to kind of be a little over the top, you know, whether it was Carolyn being drunk or, you know, Anthony Michael Hall being a nerd and hitting on Sam, every character did a perfect job. And Ginny oh, yeah. Ginny was kind of flat and unemotional and very, um, I thought kind of monotone um, throughout most of the movie, and, and uncaring, you know, totally not giving a shit about anybody else. But in the wedding scene, you see her really, her acting skills really coming out, and she's acting loopy as fuck, and it was hilarious. <laughs> and just not even being able to, you know, laying down in the middle of the aisle, passing out before the whole wedding even starts, oh. you know. And, then and of the, course, like
0: they go outside to go get into the car, and she's like stripping oh, off outside. She's stripping-
1: Everything. And then, yeah, throwing her veil in the church, and then getting, yeah, stripping down her out of her nylons and her underskirt, and oh god, uh, it just, and the parents are just kind of smiling through this and being well, passive and just not. I got not. the feeling, like
0: because they because they didn't really care much for the son-in-law or the parents uh, yeah. of you know his you know the in-laws. Oh, it was oh, kind of like okay, well, hey, you know, a match made in hell type thing. <laughs>
1: We're just going to deal with this because we have no choice and we're just going to play along. And again, part of that could be that Ginny just kind of ran the show. Little Miss Princess, well, they're going to go along with whatever she wants. And it may
0: have been, hey, if we do this, we get her out of our hair and she's gone <laughs> and we don't have to deal with her anymore. <laughs>
1: exactly. Very true. But just everybody just, just accommodated her. That was something that struck me. was She was so accommodated to the point of where, yes, poor Sam's birthday was, you know – thrown by the wayside but yeah that wedding scene was hilarious I laughed my way through it so and every time I see the movie I laugh my way through it especially because I've been through more than one wedding I've been married and divorced a couple times and it's it's so stressful as it is you know it's so stressful and it's a memorable day but that is the one day where you have to be lucid you have to be with it and she just she just yeah. wasn't and it. Just, and everybody accommodated it and just kind of put a fake smile on and went through it. And, Oh, it was great. So well, great. I
0: have to know. I have to mention, because at the very end of the movie, they're all <laughs> looking around because they, they had actually realized that they forgot Sam's birthday. And so everybody's yes. kind of like, they're trying to feel a little bit of sympathy for her. And at the end, they're like, Hey, where's Sam? We don't want to leave her behind, you know, because yeah. they, they were really trying to care for her. And yes. at the very end, you know, they, they see, the dad sees her and he's like, "Hey Sam, come on, get in the car." And she's like, "No, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving." And because Jake had shown up and she, he's like trying to tell her, "Hey, you know, I'm really interested in you and everything." Yeah. And so he's like, "She, she's like, well, I'm going to go with you." And the dad is like, "Where are you going?" And she points, "This is the guy that I was telling you about, Dad." <laughs> and he looks yeah. and he sees the Porsche. He's like, "Okay, hey, not bad. He's got a Porsche. Not bad. Okay. He's got a
1: Porsche." She's a "Good look, yeah. This is a cool guy." Well, I have to interject that something that struck me and I was. Uh, just a weird observation. You know, obviously her birthday was forgotten in the, in the throughout the entire well, Well, actually I think that the dad remembered probably halfway through, but even when they remembered the birthday, it, they still didn't make a big deal about it. So right. I, felt kind of, I still felt kind of bad for Sam that, oh, we've, we forgot your birthday. We're assholes. You know, happy birthday. But yet they still didn't, you know, they were so caught up in this wedding, so preoccupied with this wedding that she still didn't get the, you know, the credit that she deserved, the attention that she deserved. You know, so she's still right. kind of probably feeling a little ignored at this point. But then at the end of the wedding, you know, all the cars are pulling out. She's the last one out. And everyone forgot about her again. And I'm going, holy shit, this poor girl. You know, everyone's taken off for the reception and not paying attention to where's Sam. Where's Sam? So once again, she's kind of neglected and left out in the cold. The dad and the grandparents are still getting into his car. But again, you know, Sam wasn't with them. So it's kind of like, you know, I just felt bad for the girl all over again. I'm going, this poor girl just has not had, you know, up to this point, up until she sees Jake, She's probably thinking, Jesus Christ, I think there was a scene, you know, when they pan in on her after everybody's leaving, she's like, Oh fuck, everyone's left without me. You know? Yeah. How am I gonna get how am I gonna get to the reception? You know, so I just thought that was kind of you know noteworthy that, you know, she's been ignored and neglected the entire movie, and no sympathy whatsoever from anybody. And then here she is at the wedding and everyone leaves without her. And well, then, you know, thankfully Jake was there, but
0: I have to say that at the at the very, very end, she did get what she had hoped for it. I mean, well, yes. I shouldn't say she got what she wanted in a sense, but uh, because she didn't actually, we don't see that they have sex or anything like that. But no. they do have, you know, she has her sixteen candles birthday cake. Yes,
1: she does. She has what?
0: her kiss with Jake, and that's basically where the movie ends. Is it,
1: yes. it? leaves it on a
0: good note. So you think that okay, maybe there is a shot for you know the kind of you, kind of wallflower nobodies in a sense, and I don't really want to even say that because she really wasn't. She really wasn't a wallflower, but she wasn't. She wasn't popular. She wasn't, you know, a geek. She wasn't. No. Uh, she wasn't. She didn't really fit into a particular class.
1: No, she was kind of in the middle, and which I thought which I thought was interesting too is that you only see her really interfacing with one or two friends. You know, so she obviously was not Miss Popularity like Carolyn, but she wasn't. She wasn't a nerd either, so she was definitely kind of in the middle there. But, yeah, I loved the end. That was what did it for me was, you know, the end was awesome. She got her 16 candles and the cake, and she got her man, you know, and the kiss. And it was just that, even at seven years old, seeing it for the first time, and, of course, thinking boys had cooties, I still thought, you know, I still thought, that is so sweet. She deserves this, you know. she's She's had a crummy birthday. You know, she's been misforgettable because of her sister kind of taking the limelight, you know. Yeah. So it's so nice to see that she you know, she got it at the end, you know? And and then at the end as well, Ted got Carolyn. So Ted got, yeah. you know, everybody the, kind
0: of got what they wanted, which was,
1: yeah, it, it was kind of a surprise, but at the same time it was kind
0: of like, okay, well this actually happens, you know, I mean, yeah, it happens in movies only mind you, but
1: exactly. But you know, just the fact that, yeah, his kind nature, his respect of women and everything paid off. The fact yeah. that he helped Sam get Jake paid off for him in the end because he got Jake's girlfriend. So it was, it was really sweet. And that's, that was one of the things that I loved about that movie was the ending. I, yeah. I, I watched the movie and a lot of it was filler, you know, a lot of the nerd scenes were filler, oh, of you course. know, just for, just for comedic value, I thought, but the ending to me made it worth it. It was like, you know, and maybe it was just to show a day in the life of the you know, typical, you know, teenager and the different classes of teenager. I don't know. Um, but yeah, the ending was great.
0: Yeah. So I kind of want to delve in here before we really tie things up because I know that I have some trivia, you have some trivia, so I kind of oh, want to yeah. bring some of that out here. So oh, yes. So we'll go ahead and dive into this. So I'll let mm-hmm. you go ahead and take the lead on this.
1: Okay, um, let me see. The first bit of trivia, um, I pay attention to vehicles and license plates, um, and I think it is one of John Hughes's little trademarks along with the sound effects and the, you know, breaking the fourth wall. Um, I caught a couple of license plates. Um, one of them was on Jake's poor boy Porsche. Um, His license plate was 21850, and I could be wrong, um, but I believe I read somewhere on IMDb years ago that that 21850 is actually John Hughes' birthday. And I will
0: confirm that because I looked that up last night. Oh, did you?
1: Okay, awesome. I'm glad I'm right. Um, I had looked this movie up probably, God, I don't even know how many years ago. Um, So I thought that was kind of interesting. And then on the grandparents' Buick, Uh, There was a uh, V58, and I want to say that that represents Vacation 58, Um, and I could be wrong about that again, um, but I believe that it represents, there was some memorable vacation that John Hughes and his family took in 1958, and I couldn't tell you where the vacation was. Um, I'm not sure if he was from Illinois. I know a lot of his movies take place in Illinois. Um, I don't know if it was something, they went to Illinois, I don't know. But I do believe the V-58 was an homage to a vacation that he took in 1958. Um, And then there was a partial license plate on the family's wood-paneled piece of shit car. Um, And I don't know. I I wish I could have seen the whole thing. So maybe that could be something that one of you listeners or even you could look up. Um, But there was, I want to say the first letter was F. I don't remember. Uh, uh, G or F. Um, but I do find it interesting that every license plate that he does show in the movie is indicative of something or represents something in his life.
0: Yeah. Um, well, I mean, yeah. like, you know, and, and there were several of them and I think that he kind of got some of that idea from George Lucas because oh, uh-huh. George Lucas, if you ever watch American graffiti, yes. Um, uh, in American graffiti, they have a yellow roadster that, uh, yes. I want to say Ron, uh, Oh God. What's his name? Ron Howard. Uh-huh. Uh, he's driving around. And yep. the license plate on that car was THX, uh, THX 1138, which was the very first film that George Lucas had ever done uh, oh. when he was in high school or uh, yes. when he was in college. It was his like college film. Oh. And they actually did make it. They fleshed it out. And it, they actually made it more of just something more than just a simple student film. Uh, wow. And when they did that, it, when they remade it, they did it with uh, Robert Duvall and, and uh, a couple of other people. I can't for life remember them off the top of my head. But
2: oh, how neat.
0: Uh, they did do that there, and, and that kind of started there with that, and you start seeing it as, as an homage to uh, to those movies. So the fact that That's John Hughes cool. was doing this here in in not only – not only this film, but he was doing it in vacation. He did it in yes. Ferris Bueller's day off,
1: uh-huh. you know, so you right. see these
0: little trivia pieces that show up in the movie, which was kind of nice.
1: Very cool. Another little bit of trivia too. And the character again was not a huge character, but it was, uh, uh, Samantha's friend, Randy. Um, she, I don't know if it was maybe the actress's favorite color or maybe the character's favorite color, but I noticed that in every scene that you see Randy in, she's wearing red or she's carrying a purse that's red or she's got accessories that are red. So, and even in her bedroom, there's a scene where they're talking on the phone and they pan into Randy in her bedroom talking to Sam and she's got red lamps. She's got red rugs, red bedspread. So it's like red, it seems to be a theme for that character. She was the Um, devil. (laughs) She was the devil. You know, maybe, maybe that was that, maybe that could have been it because she was just to me, I've had, you know, the same best friend for 25 years. And she's always been supportive of me. And she's always been, you know, you can do this, Eva. You can do this. Very encouraging, very supportive. And this was like the antithesis of that. This girl was a bitch. I'm going, oh, my God, this girl could not be any less of a friend to poor Sam, especially, you know. So maybe maybe the red was indicative of (laughs) – (laughs) you're the devil Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting and then also before the wedding scene started um, I mentioned it earlier um, as everybody is shuffling to get into their cars to go to the wedding um, you see the mom and Sam and the sister come out and they're getting into the wood panel piece of shit to drive off which I thought was interesting that you know that car could probably fit five or six people but yet three of them go into into one car and drive off then it pans into the grandparents Buick and you see the dad, the brother, and the two sets of grandparents. Okay, so how many people is that? That's six people. So, and I, again, I, it would be cramped, but I'm sure you could fit six people into a Buick. But what struck me was, and, I didn't, and I've seen this movie, like I said, a hundred times, but it didn't catch on to me until I was an adult, and I happened to see it just by chance. Um, in the scene, they're all getting into the car. And they're talking amongst themselves, and there's a lot of chaos going on, and you see the grandmother get in, and then you see her get out again, and they're kind of playing musical seats getting into this car. And one of the grandmothers, she gets in, she gets out again, and then everybody else gets in, and then it looks like she's getting in, but what really happens is she actually bends down outside the car So as the dad who's driving backs out of the driveway, clearly you can see, if you're looking for it, um, in just a split second, you can actually see her reflection in the rear view mirror as they're backing out, and you can see that she's bending down. Um, And then the car pulls out into the street, and that's where they see Long Duck Dong passed out in the grass there with the dog. And then they all get out and jump out and, and go to Long Duck Dong and find out what's going on. And you see the grand, that same grandmother bending down again and then lifting her head up. So she did not get out of the car, but you see her bending down again and then getting up and then walking over to the crowd with Long Duck Dong. So ah. I don't know why I don't I don't know why they did that. Um, I thought it was very interesting that you know maybe again because. They couldn't fit six people into that, but it kind of begs the question, that's kind of a little weird that three people are in the you know, one car and yet they have six in another. You know, it it just seemed a little weird to me that it was almost like that could have whole thing could have been avoided. That whole little movie flaw could have been avoided. Um but it's
0: you're probably right on that. I mean it's it's probably just one of these Whole things that they kind of realized and they went, ah, oh, fuck, we screwed up. <laughs>
1: yeah, well, maybe, maybe they had 50 you know, takes of that scene and it was just like, oh, fuck it. Let's just get it over and done with and we'll just – we'll keep the, you know, the flaw in there. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, you can clearly – and you have to be looking for it. You have to really keep your eyes peeled, but you can see her – the periwinkle of her dress in the rear of your mirror. And then you can see her just popping her head straight up, not getting out of the car. Um I just found that to be interesting cuz again I'd seen that movie through my you know childhood and and teen years and adult years and never caught it until you know maybe a few years back. So you always pick up on something the more that you watch a movie over and over again you always pick up new things. Um and just little observations like the scene with Long Duck Dong the, the dinner scene with the grandparents and they're all there before the dance and they're eating quiche and they're making fun of him, and they're laughing at him, and he's eating the quiche with silver tongs. I thought that was hilarious because he didn't have chopsticks, obviously, so he's eating them with tongs, you know.
0: Well, um, now, I have to, to speak out about food here, I have to mention this because there was a scene in the beginning uh, when they're at school and they go to the cafeteria.
2: Uh-huh.
0: And on the cafeteria board, when they're walking up to the lunch lady and getting their food, on the board, it shows, like, a list of items that you can purchase. Mm-hmm. One of the items you have to look for it because it's one of these things that unless you're really looking for it, you're not going to spot it. It's canned brownies in light syrup.
1: Really, I did not yes. guess that. Oh my god, canned brownies! <laughs>
0: and I saw it, and I am like, "What the hell? Can- what, the- what? You know?" Oh, and I mean, like, you funny. see stuff like you see stuff like smile and hugs. You know, free hugs, free, and it's like, okay, that's creepy.
1: That is hilarious. I, I loved also how, like, in the study hall scene with the sex quiz, you see they show the teacher there, and he's looking bored as hell, and then you see the words total idiot with an arrow pointing down at him on the chalkboard. Yeah, like you he's know, completely or...
0: oblivious. Oh, yeah, whatever.
1: <laughs> you know, little things like that that just kind of caught, you know, catch your eye, or the, you know, the misspelling of the sex quiz. It was, you know, confidential rather than confidential. You know, just little yeah. things like that. Canned brownies. I totally missed that. I'll have to look for that next time. You you're
0: gonna be making your daughter watch and go look, look, look at the sign. Look at the sign. What does it say?
1: <laughs> but yeah, I just I love movie trivia, and I can't really think of anything else. Oh, I, I happen to notice, of course, being a child of the '80s, I loved the fact that when Sam goes into the kitchen to talk to the mom about Long Duck Dong, and the brothers in there sitting at the table, he's eating pretzels and drinking a, a Coke out of a bottle. I was like, oh, yes. I love it. you know, I little things like that. I miss Coke in a bottle. So I think even my my daughter mentioned that. She's like, what is that?
0: <laughs> oh, well, we have it down here. I, I, I have to say this is something that we have a lot of down here because people have started noticing out here in California that uh, if you buy Mexican Coke, if you buy it because it all comes in a bottle, the Mexican oh, Coke right. is made with cane sugar. It's not made with corn syrup. So there's a lot of people buying it, and you can actually taste the difference. It's, it's a little bit sweeter. It's different taste
1: yeah. to it. Oh, man. I got to try it now. I just so, It was a bit, little bit of nostalgia. It was like Coke in a bottle. Oh, my God. I would, but,
0: I would suggest if you want to look for stuff like that, go look at, like, if you have a BevMo out there, Beverages & More.
1: Try I might. Them up. Try I hanging will. them up and look. Oh, that would be so cool. But, you know, I just – I love little, you know – throwbacks to like, even like the, you know, cordless phones that look like shoe boxes oh, and God. stuff.
0: <laughs> you feel like you're talking on Maxwell smarts, personal shoe phone.
1: <laughs> exactly. But all these things just, you know, I, it's hilarious because my daughter, you know, being born in 2001, you know, she's experiencing these things and she loves these movies that I do too. You know, not with the same fondness that I have, right. but it's, she just she gets a kick out of the hairstyles, the fashion, the you know the weird little you know like the coke bottle. What is? She actually asked me, "What is that?" I'm like, "Honey, that's Man. soda in a in a bottle." Oh my God!
0: You know? it, it, um, just stuff like that makes you feel like you know
1: it makes you so feel like you're decrepit. Yeah. Oh, totally. come here, whippersnapper. <laughs> Like, we're 36 but it just oh and she's told me mom you're so old it's like thank you so much dear i really yeah, appreciate
0: thank you that. come on, let me slap you upside the head kid. <laughs>
1: exactly but yeah other than that i can't think of any other trivia oh other than the sound effects i love the sound effects oh. in this movie. the boing with the boobs the you know the gong with long duck dong's name uh the twilight zone song when you know they show the grandparents for the first time in their skivvies yes. you know the the cheesy polka doll, you know the polka song on the bus you know when they're driving home, and she's saying, "I load the bus." And you can hear <laughs> the, the polka music in the background I mean there's just so much that John Hughes did with this movie with the sound effects and the music that just
0: it, it was yeah. definitely one of his better films
1: I agree, I agree, but other than that, um, other than the fashion, I can't think of any other points of you know anything noteworthy as far as the trivia.
0: Well, I'm pretty much done here at this point. Here, I'm figuring we we're about over, uh, almost an hour and a half in. I think okay. this is probably a good spot to stop here for awesome.
1: this. Awesome, awesome. Okay, uh, so
0: we'll go ahead and we'll wrap this up here. Uh, this does wrap it up for episode uh, for this episode of talking about my generation. I do want to ask you, uh, please feel free to leave us feedback on iTunes. Send mm-hmm. us a tweet. Uh, I am at s p r z o u t if you want to leave a leave a message for me. Uh, Eva, you said you had a Twitter account that you set up.
1: Uh-huh. I, I am at Mommy of Mommy of Three C Girls.
0: Okay. Uh, you can also send us an email at mygenerationpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at talking about my generation. Or you can visit us at mygenerationpodcast.com, uh, where you can listen to us online there. You can download the episodes straight from the webpage. We even have a link uh, for those of you who are listening and found us through Stitcher. Uh, We do have Stitcher that is broadcasting our podcasts as well. Uh, So I do want to thank those of you uh, who have been listening here. Uh, We're going to go ahead and we're going to continue on in our uh, John Hughes spotlight here. Not sure which movie we'll do just yet here. We'll have to discuss that, but we are continuing on in a John Hughes spotlight for the next couple weeks.
1: Maybe breakfast club.
0: We could do breakfast club, weird science, uh, yeah, I mean, I know there's, there's so much, and we'll have to talk about it off-air, so... Yes.
2: <laughs>
0: uh, but I'll go ahead and sign off for this episode here with uh, the song 16 Candles. Oh.